0: Good day. I'm with Sarah Vernikoff, and she's an influencer. She's a no-diet weight-loss person, and she's written a book called Eat What You Want, Stop When You Want, a no-diet weight-loss program. It's a fascinating book, and it became a number one Amazon bestseller when it was published. It also won the 2018 Distinguished Favorite by the New York City Big Book Award Contest. She healed herself of compulsive eating by transforming her classroom management techniques to food management techniques, and she taught... Challenge kids in East New York, Brooklyn, and so forth, and then changed an easy to use, no diet, no weight loss program that went on to teach hundreds of happy dieters. Okay, Sora, how are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm, um, you know, this, I, I just saw on social media this is six months. Uh, we've made it six months through the pandemic, so I'm happy.
0: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'm, 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 um, pandemic's been okay for me. I mean, my business got bigger, but I tend to be on the internet and I was already sort of an introvert. So for me, working at home is what I do. And, uh, I use the internet to find business. So there's the whole United States to choose from actually the whole world. Uh, how's it, how's it affected you and how do you survive, um, with the pandemic? Well, um, I decided to write
1: another book. Ah. So, yeah. So, um, that book uh, required me to reach out to a lot of people and do interviews and teach things. And, and so it's been very beneficial. And I also became what I like to call myself a Zoomette. You know, my, my life kind of centered around my walks and my Zoom sessions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that I'm pretty much the same. I, I, of course, sitting all day long is not good for the back. So I get up every couple of hours and walk around in my complex and talk to people from six yeah. feet away, of course. And everybody well, we should, seems to know me.
1: Yeah. Well, we should, let me share with you. I had back surgery because I sat so much in my life that it just destroyed my back. So not that I want to sound like a doctor or anything, but you should really only sit up to 50 minutes and lay on the floor for 10.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Backs are one of those things. Um, i uh I was not actually supposed to be able to walk, and my back was so bad, I, but I went to a chiropractor who told me that he could help me, and after twenty sessions um I barely have any pain at all. It's very rare
1: you're very blessed, just be yeah. careful, just really be careful
0: well yeah, yeah that's the way it is so how yeah. does your how does your no diet diet work changing the subject slightly
1: yeah um well. Before I answer that question, I'd like to give a little background to take the listener to how I got to this process, because of
2: course.
1: just sharing how the program works um, is, is kind of meaningless out of context. So is that okay for you?
0: Of course, please do.
1: Okay. So I taught inner city kids in East New York, Brooklyn, and it was really rough, you know? And I used to diet, I used to take off the weight, and I used to put it right back on, even though I did everything perfectly. And in those days, I wrote, this was over 20 years ago, I was keeping a journal on what I ate even then. And one day, I looked at these 35 kids in East New York, Brooklyn, who walked, talked, and did all those other things. And I said, how come, Sora, these kids listen to you? but food has no animate qualities. You can't stop thinking about it and you can't stop eating. And I went, oh my God, that's crazy because these kids listen to me and look at them. At that moment in time, Richard, I had an idea. And the idea was, what if I stopped dieting? What if I ate the foods that I really wanted? But there was a caveat. And the caveat was um, I'd have to journal every eating experience before, during and after because I knew that I had to find out why my brain was thinking about food all day and I, and I had to write it up. So I did that for years and years and years. I, every piece of food I put in my mouth, I wrote my thoughts before, during and after. And I took off 25 pounds, which I've kept off since 84. And at that point, as soon as I reached my goal weight, I knew that I could transfer my classroom management techniques to food management techniques and I developed this no diet, eat, and stop yourself process. Now, before uh, then, what happened was I needed to understand why diets didn't work. So, if you're okay with this, I'd like to share with your listeners exactly why diets don't work. And the good news is it's not even their fault. Is, is that work for you?
0: Please do, yes.
1: So, what is a diet? And this is in my book as well. I think I want you. Um, guys to think of your diet as a clock all right so at 12 o'clock you go oh my god I need to take off some weight I really don't like this anymore I just looked at my last picture and I've got to lose whatever you have to lose so now so you go on the internet or you talk to a friend and you pick a diet now there's over 150 diets and what I like to say is if diets worked why would we need so many so you pick a diet So what is a diet A diet is a group of rules created by four people in a room who decide what you can eat, what you can't eat, when you should eat what, and what's good for you, and what's not good for you. But most of all, don't trust yourself. Don't trust yourself because you came to us because you can't keep food out of your mouth. So let's go to three o'clock. You've picked a diet. You're following their rules. And you're good, good, good. So three o'clock is good, good, good. Yay. I'm following the rules of the diet. I'm I'm a worthy person. I can book the cruise because I'm not as afraid of food. I can buy a new dress or buy a new suit. Wow, I'm really worth something because I'm following other people's rules as to what I can and cannot put in my mouth. So now let's go to six o'clock. Six o'clock is what I call the diet binge, diet overeating part of the clock. So you've been good, good, good on this diet for a period of time and you're really, you know, you're really proud of yourself. One day, and it's different for everyone, it could be an hour for some people, it could be a day, it could be three days, it could be a week. But for everyone, they reach a place on the diet where they go, I can't take this anymore. I just want one more piece of cheese. I just want one more Oreo. You know, I just want uh, one quarter more of that hamburger. And so what do you do you start having food that's not on your weight loss plan your diet and you can't stop yourself well here's the good news the good news is that you did the only thing that you could do to get back control from the diet which again are not your rules but the negative part is that there's a flip side to that coin then you're going to beat yourself up oh my god look what i just did i can't trust myself i'm no good low self-esteem I, I, I was following the diet. No, I just ate a bag of Oreos. I just had, you know, two more hamburgers. I'm just not a good person. And so what do you do? You get to nine o'clock. Nine o'clock, you decide, well, I obviously can't trust myself. Look what I just did. And I'm going to go back to the diet. So you go back to 12 o'clock. You go back to other people's rules. Now, the reason diets don't work is because they're not your rules and they're based in deprivation. They're based in deprivation because they tell you not only what you can eat, but how much you can eat, which has nothing to do with what you want. Your goal is to lose weight, but it has nothing to do with their rules. Uh, You're just following their rules because you don't think you have any rules. And at the moment, before you learn about my program, honestly, (laughs) you don't. But um, so don't, I want everyone to give themselves a big hug now. Get your arms around yourself, give yourself a big hug because. It's not your fault that you can't stay on a diet or you lost your weight on a diet and you regained your weight. You're just running away from other people's rules and there's nothing wrong with that. So that's why diets don't work. So the question you asked me was, how does my program work? It's, did you ask me how my program works? I did. Yes. So, so what I found in my journaling, which is what healed me and then what I... Um, out was that um the reason that i couldn't eat and stop and that nobody can eat and stop is that because nobody knows how much is enough before they eat the food so you know when you go to your thanksgiving dinner and you sit around and everybody's going at the end of the dinner oh my god i'm so stuck richard uh-huh. well the reason they're so stuffed is because anyone not following my program and or anyone on a diet the only marker they have to know how much is enough is a stuffed stomach. That stuffed stomach says, oh, my God, if I have enough, I'm full enough, I can stop. So I want your listeners to keep that in mind.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And so basically, I developed um, two techniques that let you know when you're going to stop eating before you start eating. And that's how my process, you know, that's how it works. That You're able to decide how much is enough before you eat. And because you know how much is enough, you're going to be able to stop yourself. And once you stop yourself, what happens, Richard, when you have enough of something? Do you overthink it or think about it less?
0: I think about it less, of course.
1: Exactly. So what my process allows you to do is consciously diminish the visual repetitions of your food thoughts Not only in your mind, but as a result, in the amount of food that you want to take in your body. So when you use my process, it's a true matching. You have a non-overweight food thought mind with a matching non-overweight body. And that's why people can't keep their weight off. That's another reason. Because even when you reach your goal on a diet, you still have an overweight mind. So there kind of really is no way out except to make the choice to consciously decrease the visual repetitions of your food thoughts. But that's not possible without my process because my process lets you manage your subconscious relationship with your food thoughts, which is wired not well. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: So give me a for instance if you would.
1: What do you mean by that?
0: Um how would you handle me overeating, for example? What would you Well, would okay. I so
1: what so? Tell me, Richard. What food do you know that you have a hard time stopping? And, and we'll work, we'll go from there.
0: Ice cream, for example.
1: Okay, ice cream. I'm writing this down. Do you have a particular flavor, or is it ice cream in general?
0: Oh uh, vanilla, French vanilla, oh, I especially.
1: Van- I, I love vanilla. Okay, and what what brands?
0: Um, Häagen-Dazs.
1: Oh, that's the highest calorie ice cream there is.
0: Of course, not great for diabetes either.
1: Oh, okay. You know, Edies is—you know—try Edies. It's 120 calorie vanilla is like 100 calories a half a cup, and it's not bad. They have classic vanilla and vanilla, and you want to try it. I'm just saying. Okay. Um. Okay. So here's how you're gonna do it. I'm gonna teach Richard how to have his ice cream in stop, and I'm gonna teach all the listeners to do that at the same time. So I'm going to teach you, Richard, how to use the green technique, all right? All right. Now, because ice cream comes in a container, there are a few more steps, but it all's the same. So when you eat your ice cream, do you buy the very big half a gallon or do you buy individuals?
0: Well, usually they have a two-for-ones. So I buy two half gallons.
1: Okay, two half gallons. So now I have to ask you a personal question, which you don't have to answer, but it would give me a greater understanding of, um, of of how you sit with your food thoughts. So do you want to lose weight or is ice cream just what you go to for greater comfort?
0: Oh, I want to lose weight and go, that's what I go for for greater comfort. So
1: both are true. Okay. I need to write this down. want to lose weight and greater comfort. All right. So first of all, what I would suggest right off the bat is that you buy the individual ones because that that would just really help you take a look at things better. So that would be the first, that's right off the top of my head. I would say it's not about money. It's about making, see, it's not about money, Richard. It's about making peace with food. Okay, And when you buy those two half gallons on sale, you're really hurting yourself. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, especially because I usually get guilty and wind up throwing one away.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, so, but you're not going to have to do that once you, but first of all, you should not buy two, but if you need to buy two to throw one away, okay, you should, if you're going to buy it, buy one. So here's, here's how you use the green technique. So I want everybody... Before I um, teach Richard the green technique, I want everyone to think of a food that they have a hard time stopping to eat. My my terrorizer was chocolate, Um, and I have so much chocolate in the house now; it's amazing. But that's what I couldn't eat and stop. So you're in. in, You go and you get out. You get the ice cream. Is that right? So let's go through the process. You go to the freezer and you get the ice cream. Yep. Now, what? do you eat the ice cream out of? Do you take the ice cream and put it in a bowl? Yes. What color is your bowl? Blue. Is it a big bowl or a little bowl?
0: It's just a regular bowl.
1: What's the circumference? Six inches. Six inches, hold on. That's a pretty big bowl.
0: Or maybe four inches.
1: Four is better. And what kind of, uh, do you use the same spoon all the time? Yes. Okay, same spoon. And where do you eat this?
0: Watching a movie. So I eat it in my chair.
1: In chair watching a movie. Okay, hang in. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to take, this is the green technique, everyone, and I want you to follow the teaching model that I'm teaching Richard now so that you can do the same thing. You go to the refrigerator. You take out the ice cream. This is gonna be a two-step process because the ice cream comes in a container. So the first thing I want you to do, Richard, before you take the ice cream out of the container, do you measure the ice cream? Do you use a measuring cup or you just spoon it out?
0: It's usually four, four tablespoons, something like that.
1: Wait a minute, four tablespoons, tablespoons.
0: But they're heaping tablespoons of course.
1: Oh, four heaping tablespoons, okay. I want you to ask yourself before you take the ice cream out of the container, how much is enough and how much is too much?
0: Well, so, any ice cream at all is too much.
1: Well, that's why you're struggling with ice cream because that's not true. Because once you learn how to stop, you're okay. You see, once you learn that you can have that vanilla ice cream and stop when you want, and you manage the ice cream, it doesn't manage you. So it's like a non-thinking process. Mm. So the only reason you're saying any ice cream is too much is because you don't manage it. Okay, so I'm just gonna show you how to manage it. You know what I mean? Okay. So I want you to look at the ice cream and, and let's just hold off on that mindset for a moment. I want you to look at the ice cream in the container and I want you to ask yourself two questions. How much is enough and how much is too much? I want you to do that for me now, Richard. You're looking at the container and you're asking yourself how much is enough and how much is too much. Probably, and when you've you made, go so ahead. Probably, share a couple,
0: with, probably a couple tablespoons is enough and probably more than four tablespoons is too much.
1: Okay. So more than, more than four, ta- but that's not a lot. So I don't, more than four tablespoons is too much. Okay. How many times a day do you do this?
0: Well, if I start doing it, I'll eat half of the half of Oh, the so you?
1: Okay, so you eat half. Okay, now I understand. So, all right. So now, Richard, before you've taken any ice cream out of the container, you've asked yourself, "How much is enough?" and "How much is too much?" And you said about four table keeping tablespoons. Is that a fair statement?
2: Sure. All
1: right. I want you now to pretend, Richard, and I and I want all your listeners to. Ask themselves, looking at the food that they decided that they're struggling with. How much is enough and how much is too much? And I want them to make that decision. Now, I want you to take out those four heaping tablespoons. I want you to pretend you're doing this, Richard. Okay. And I want you to put it in the blue bowl. Okay. All right. So now, Richard, you have four, excuse me, heaping tablespoons in a blue bowl with the same bowl, the same spoon, correct? Yes, ma'am. I now want you to ask yourself again a second time. How much is enough and how much is too much? And I want you to tell me what you came up with.
0: Same numbers. Probably okay, so, four is about right.
1: Okay, so here's how the technique works. The Okay. The amount of ice cream in your bowl is not enough. Because the technique says that for you to know that you gave yourself enough ice cream, you again have to ask yourself two questions while the ice cream is in the bowl. Follow my thinking. Mm -hmm. You have to ask yourself how much is enough and how much is too much. And now I want you to physically move what I call the marker away that the amount that's too much away from those four tablespoons. So if your four are still enough, I want you to just move a drop of ice cream to another place, <clears throat> to another place in the bowl. So you have two amounts in front of you the amount that's enough and the amount that's too much. So I want you to do that now, Richard.
0: Okay.
1: Ask yourself again how much is enough, how much is too much, and then physically move the amount that's too much to another place in your bowl. And if it's just a drop, just put it on the rim of your bowl.
0: Uh, one tablespoon.
1: Fine. So put that in a place that's separate, separate from the from the amount that's enough.
0: I'll throw it in another bowl.
1: No, you don't do that. Okay. You keep it in the same bowl.
0: All right.
1: Or, all right. Do you want to put it in another bowl? Okay, fine. Put it in another bowl. That's fine. That's fine. So now you have, now look what just happened, Richard. Isn't this interesting? Think about it. When we started this you said and you were in the container you said four heaping tablespoons and you put that in your blue bowl then when i i took you through the exercise again you actually were able to tell me on live recording time that one tablespoon of that was too much am i correct yes now that's isn't that interesting to you
0: yes it is exactly
1: yeah okay so now You have two amounts in front of you. Now, I want you, so everyone listening, you have two amounts in front of you, the amount that's enough and the amount that's too much. Now, I want everyone to eat the amount that's enough, but not your your too much marker. So, Richard, I want you to pretend to eat the amount that you decided was enough. I want you to pretend to do that now, and I want all your listeners to do the same thing. Well, I pretend to eat... My enough chocolate.
0: Well, I just froze the roof of my mouth because I ate it too fast.
1: Well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not interested. I understand. <laughs> that's inconsequential in this process. You know that you know if you go to a nutritionist, she'll tell you to eat slowly. My only concern is that you feed yourself enough so that you can stop overthinking food. Right. So, so that's my specialty. So over repetition. So um so now. You just ate the amount that you decided was enough. And now I want you to look at the other amount that you decided was too much. I want you to do that now. Okay. Well, guess what? That's your too much marker who's now saying to you, you just ate and stopped because I helped you. You just ate and stopped because I helped you. I helped you know how much was enough. Okay. So, you, okay, so once you commit to using the green technique and you always ask yourself how much is enough, how much is too much, separate the amount that's too much, and then eat the amount that's enough, you will stop thinking about vanilla ice cream as much as you do now. Because if you don't use this technique, Richard, in plain English, nothing's ever going to be enough. So why would you stop? Good point. That's right. Makes sense. Well, kind of makes sense kind of gal.
0: Yes. (laughs) I can see that.
1: I'm like, okay, this isn't working. Why? You uh, draw a line down the chart, only in this process it wasn't that simple. I journaled my, I still mark what I eat and make notes on it decades later. So I'm very familiar with the tricks you can play with food. But until you ask yourself before you eat and show yourself, uh, you know, I like to equate the diet to the Pied Piper of Hamelin. You know that story?
0: Uh, tell it to me. I'm not sure.
1: Oh, well, it's just about a Pied Piper. It's a, it's a Grimm's fairy tale, I think. Don't quote me on that. But the kids follow the Pied Piper and he, he leads them to the river and they drown themselves. So that's what a diet is. You drown yourself in deprivation. There's no control. And and worse than all of that, there's no peace with food, and there's no self-trusting element. So, you know, there's just no way out.
0: Okay. Understood. It Sounds like a fascinating technique. So you do this with all your food?
1: Yes. I don't put anything in my mouth without a marker because then I'm not in control. Interesting. It's that, it's that simple. If you want control of your food, Richard, you've got to use the marker. Otherwise, otherwise... And we have two strangers meeting on a radio who are having a conversation. I promise you that if you don't use the marker, nothing will ever be enough and ice cream will run your life forever.
0: Yes, I can't keep ice cream in the house, that's for sure.
1: No, but you can now. Okay. But so, okay, here's the thing. If you, you see, you're being very hard on yourself. Why, you know, there is another way out. Why don't, if you want to use this technique and you don't want to bring in that ice cream, why don't you just give yourself the gift of buying small containers and working from that place? So if you take out one small cup of Häagen-Dazs and you say, how much is enough? How much is too much? Set aside a little marker and see how many of those containers you eat with a marker. I promise you that over time, the number of containers that you will consume will diminish.
0: Okay. That's interesting. um... Of
1: course. I mean, of course. (laughs) Because boredom is the nail death of desire. And once you see that you can have enough of vanilla ice cream by buying the same little containers and eating every day as much as you want and knowing you can stop yourself, are you going to want more or are you going to want less?
0: Oh, less, I think. Less, I know. Okay.
1: But you know, that's why I'm an expert.
0: I understand. And I am. <laughs> I believe you. You sound like you know what you're doing and it sounds like it'll work.
1: But of course, would I put myself on your show if I had one one iota of a doubt?
0: No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> of course not.
1: Exactly. Yes. Would I be afraid? I couldn't have this conversation if I wasn't 100% sure.
0: Yeah, what I found in in my diet is um like probably many people it goes back to childhood i was rewarded with with food when i was a good boy when things were going well i got sugar when things were going well i got caffeine you know chocolate and that's something that i've discovered about myself is i can't use this probably has nothing to do with your diet but i can't use food as a reward for being for doing right um in that way anymore so, well
1: because now, because now you're more grown up and you know there are other ways you can reward yourself
0: yes, exactly
1: so it really and it really becomes a- you see it becomes a conscious decision, so um when you're about to let's say you decide to use the green technique and one day you say, "I'm not listening to that woman and you and then you eat two half a gallons or whatever, um who are you hurting
0: Well, me of course right. Of course,
1: but, but you see, the he, here's the thing. I'm not a therapist. It's all in my book. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a nutritionist. My obsession. Well, thank God it's managed now. But my deepest <laughs> curiosity was, why can't I eat and stop? Why? What is wrong with me? And I figured it out just because nothing was enough. Because what happened is, um, think about this the next time you're entangled in a in a war with food. See, what happens is that what happens is that um, I, I what I do is in my next book, I talk about this much more. Um, I like to think of your mind as a department store. And you have the ground floor, which is your consciousness, and then you have the stock room. Is this interesting to you? I mean, yes,
0: it is. Fascinating.
1: Okay. So you have the ground floor, that's the stock room. Uh, Sorry, I didn't eat breakfast yet. You have the, the ground floor that's the um, the ground floor that's your consciousness, your awareness. And then you have the stock room, which is your subconscious and your non awareness. In your subconscious, there's a stock boy who sends stuff down an elevator to the main floor, and then there's your food puppet that sends food thoughts to your main floor. Well, here's the deal the deal is that you can't control the frequency and the timing on your food thoughts down to your consciousness. And until you make peace with your food puppet in your subconscious, uh, then you're never gonna be able to manage the over repetition of your food thoughts and your consciousness. But this is all in my book, um, the book that I wrote that teaches the process. Okay. I mean, yeah, if, if you read that book, you will clearly see what the story is. And, it, and I go much more in depth in my next book.
0: Okay, when's that next book coming out?
1: From your mouth to God's ears.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, don't have a, you don't have a publication date yet?
1: No, I'm totally not up to that. I'm working on my graphics. I'm a visual storyteller, Richard. Okay. So I don't write the book first. I, uh, I design the graphics that tell the story, and then ah, I write the
2: book. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's, uh, that's kind of like my gift. I, I understand how to create a picture that cuts through all the words in all those 400-page books. I'm not interested in 400. I'm interested in a short book that takes you to the place in a fun and easy way.
0: Interesting, yeah. I write, I write from the words to the pictures. It's interesting. See,
1: I can't do that.
0: Yeah, I've read I have, I've, I've yeah. Written some children's books, and and I write the words first, and then I then I get an illustrator to illustrate it.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, Richard, this is really exciting because I have children's books. I've already have three ideas that I've written the story for on children's books. But children's books are different in my mindset. I'm actually a member of the Society for Children's Writers and Illustrators and Storyteller Academy. Nice. I have amazing stories that I want to read. For the kids' books, I know I have to write the story first. But even though I write the story first, I'll still create mock graphics in order to carry the story for the pagination.
0: Right, of course. Yeah, I describe the scene in words.
1: Oh, I want to write that down. So I, I
0: paint the scene, but with words, and then I put in a dialogue and stuff, and then I move on to the next one.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. I, I may email you one day on that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, so that's kind of my story. I'm a visual storyteller. If I have an idea, it usually begins with a picture. And um, so now I'm working on the graphics for my next book. And when I have my graphics, I'll be able to write my book.
0: Yeah, that's very good, very good. So I'm a very um, image-related person, but the images are in my head. So I, ra- I write science fiction also, so I have the whole image of the scene in my head, moving and everything, three-dimensional.
1: Well, you're yeah. very blessed. You're very blessed, Richard. See, I don't, I don't have scenes. That's very interesting, Richard. I, I don't see scenes uh, usually. I usually, to me, I have a love of objects.
0: (laughs) See, so when I'm I'm writing the scene, I look at the scene in my head.
1: Because, you know,
0: one of the things about authors is you're supposed to use show and not tell. So I'll look at the scene and I'll describe it. I'm actually looking at it. And so I'm looking at the hero or heroine and I'm looking at the the missile coming out or the gun flying or whatever. And I'm actually seeing it happen and I'm writing as it's happening. But it's in my head, of course.
1: That's, that's really awesome. I mean, you see the book that I wrote, um, which is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, it's called Eat What You Want, Stop When You Want, A No-Diet Weight Loss Program. Um, I, I use images to take you through this whole process.
0: Good, good. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. So it's, an, it's a visual book. It's got lots oh, of pictures. Oh, complete.
1: It's a workbook. It's 8 by 5 by 11. I love workbooks. Don't forget, I'm, I'm an educator. So for me, I have to give you many modalities to learn something. So in the book, you get to see it, feel it, touch it. You know, I'm all about that.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I've always had a difficult time being educated, because not because I have any educational problems, but because most teachers present it as just dry facts.
1: Well, I can't do that because my brain doesn't work that way.
0: Well, neither does mine, obviously, (laughs) because... Because uh, I'm immediately turned off when I walk in. and I'm, I'm in a lecture, and they're just blah 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 blah. I'm like, oh yeah. God. God, you know, give me something. Um, but
1: you see, I, I live in the same. I live in the same city. I, I cannot just look at words. I can't remember them. Uh, hmm. I, I, you have to tell me. A, you have to give me a graphic.
0: Yeah, I like to get a story about it. So if exactly. I'm going to, if I'm going to, if you're going to tell me about giraffes, tell me a story about giraffes, tell me how they live, how they operate, what they do, what they think, how they, how, how, you know, do they have relationships? Do they love each other? Yeah, blah, 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 blah,
1: Yeah, but the thing is, that's not how, but unfortunately, basically, that's not how education works.
0: Of course not. Education isn't, is, doesn't work that way at all. Right. The educational yeah. system.
1: But I, you know, I struggled in school with, in certain ways. I mean, I was good in certain things and not good in other things, but that's normal. But what I really found is that once I have a picture, whether it's like you said, a scene or, I'm a, I, I, or instructions that are related to a graphic, I, I can do well. But um, see, um, and my niece once said to me, um, sara if, if you're going to write a book, please don't make it, you know, make it simple and don't make it long. Because I've really looked at books, and they really, it's so flowery. They're so unnecessary. It's just get to the point.
0: <laughs> yeah, but sometimes that makes a very short book that won't sell. Sometimes you well, need that's a little the, meat. That's the, meat. That's
1: the, yeah, that's the problem. I get it. Listen, I get it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I
1: totally get it.
0: Sometimes books are, are great at the great lengths. There's a book about Arnold Schwarzenegger, his life, that's just fascinating from beginning to end. It's all about him. And that's what I, I like books about people. That I know this is a little off the topic, but um, people books I want to find out what this person thought and how they acted and what they did and why they did it. so I, I'm a history buff.
1: Oh okay.
0: I like going back in history. Why did Caesar do what he did and, and was he yeah. successful or not and why was he assassinated and and what did right. he look like and did he have a wife and what was she like and so on and so on and just just get the whole picture of what was happening. And then I understand, okay, this is what happened. And I, I like I doing that with modern times. I understand. I'm very, very, um, reading up on geopolitics, which is geography makes politics. So well,
1: that's fascinating. You know, that's really fascinating. Ge- I like that very much. Geography makes politics. Wow.
0: Yeah. It, it, there's, um, there's a theory that, that bears fruit that says countries are the act the way they do because of their geography. Like the United States is the way it is because, we don't have any any enemies on this continent. And we have a big moat called the Pacific or the Atlantic Ocean on each side. Nobody can I attack see. us. So it makes us very arrogant because we really can't be attacked. Whereas Russia has oh. has vast plains that people can attack across real easily. So they tend to be a little bit more um, paranoid, Milit- militant, militant, militant right. because they've been attacked many, many times because they're easy to attack and so forth. And you once you understand the geography, you can understand how a nation operates and why it operates the way it does. Like, why is, it, why is the US acting the way it does now? It's based on geography and history. And
1: well, no, you know, that's, that's actually really interesting. Um, that's interesting. But you know what? Um, I have a commitment to not think about politics. Um, it's, got nothing to
0: it's got nothing to do with politics. This is geography. Oh,
1: okay. and, and no, I think that's very interesting.
0: Patterns of people, why people do what they do as a group. Yeah, politics I tend to stay away from because no, no, no. Just can't figure it out with all the all the fake news and false reports and right and blah blah and blah blah this and blah blah that and it makes my head spin and I just
1: Right. And, and it it's really, not good it's not good. Um see the thing is, I'm all about um if you just manage your world and if you come if you make peace with your vanilla ice cream, you will have changed your world.
0: Exactly, exactly. You
1: see, I'm all about the little things, you know? It's like, what can you manage that? How much in your life can you manage so that you're strong to deal with anything that comes your way?
0: And I'll tell you how I start each day. I start each day by thinking, what am I going to accomplish today? What are my plans? What's my goal for today? And what am I going to do that's good today? And to heck with the bad. It's just, what am I going to do that's good? Good for me, good for somebody else, good for the world, whatever. And every single day I wake up, that's the first thing I do.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yep. And it helps that's, a lot.
1: Put that's you, awesome.
0: And then I take a walk and I, I fill those out a little bit. So today I'm going to finish a chapter from a client. Okay, good. What's that chapter about? Fine. You know, don't get into details. And then another thing I'm going to do is I'm going to help somebody who needs some help. Well, how do I find that person? And I'm smiling through the whole day because I'm focusing on the good. And... If you focus on what are, you get what you focus on by, and that's kind of your, your program also. You get what you focus on. If you're focusing on trying well, you, to,
1: well, trying to you diet,
0: see. you're gonna you're gonna be you're focused gonna die. On, yeah. You're gonna die. <laughs> well you're gonna start eating because you're focusing on the diet.
1: Right. So my focus all day is how much is enough? Right. That's right. all my focus is. How much is enough? How much is enough work? How much is enough play? How much is enough food? How much is enough money? How, many, how much do I have to do today to feel that I can let the day go and feel like I've done enough? Everything for me, my guide, beside putting the higher power first, is how much is enough.
0: Right. 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 Exactly. Because you, you can only accomplish so much. And we you know have some physical yeah.
1: limits. You know something? That's another thing that I've had to learn, that good enough is good enough.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, and there's there you can people can do anything. I mean, look at look at some of these billionaires. They started off in the streets. Um, Bill Gates started off as a right just, just a millionaire, and now he's one of the richest people in the world in just one lifetime. Um, look you, you at Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. I mean, these people all they didn't start as billionaires. The famous ones they started as normal people, and you can do anything at any point in your life.
1: But I happen to agree with you, Richard. You see, I, I really happen to agree with you because, because look what I did. I, you know, uh-huh. if I didn't do my work, I'd be rolling down the street, and I'd st- and I'd be going to Barnes and Nobles and looking for you no know, book. Cause no one has this process but me. So I decided decades ago that something was wrong. Someone wasn't telling me the truth. And I really, really studied my brain 24 seven or even to this day, uh, to understand how to make the best life possible. And there's only one way and that's to manage your subconscious relationship with any thought that's really disturbing you. And there are ways to do it, but the process I developed is particularly applicable to food. So you know, kind of my mantra is until you decide that you're going to feed yourself enough, you're gonna diet, you're going to live in the world of deprivation, and you're going to be at war with food the rest of your life. It's not a choice that I want to make
0: well, I don't want to be at war with anything,
1: right, but now you see how you see how you said, richard i'm you know I'm not going to bring any ice cream in the house. you see how you made ice cream the enemy? well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So right away, we know, Richard, that you and Vanilla Ice Cream are on different teams. (laughs) But the trick is to bring, the trick is to bring, you have to sell yourself ice cream to bring it to your team.
0: Yes, yes.
1: But you don't have to, you know, by the way, Richard, you know, we're having a discussion here, you know.
0: Well, it's a theoretical, some of this is theoretical. Um, I don't view ice cream as the enemy. Um, it's actually me. It's my own thoughts that, that are the problem, not the but ice
1: cream. You, you see, but your thoughts aren't the problem. Your thoughts are your thoughts. They have no meaning. It's the fact, like, like I said before, Richard, what my specialty is, is I'm a, an over repetition uh, expert. So wherever there's a problem, there's always over repetition. So my job is to go in and say, okay, let's look at the thoughts that are challenging you that you think about a lot, and let's find a way to put a bandaid on those thoughts so that you manage them now.
0: Okay. That sounds very interesting.
1: Well, that's my next book in great depth. If you want, I'll contact you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: but but i thought i thought the goal was to get a knife and just rip that thought out of your head no kidding Uh,
1: (laughs) no i'm not i'm not violent i'm so passive you know
0: yeah yeah i tend to be pretty pretty laid back too Um, i'm
1: so laid back i mean really i'm very laid back in but i'm very hard worker do you know what i'm saying
0: yeah yeah but because i'm a writer my thoughts go into these interesting tangents
1: well, you're a writer. Hello.
0: I'm always imagining things. when I walk through a forest. I'm imagining elves and stuff all, all wandering that's around. That's
1: so sweet. You know, richie that's, that's very sweet. Okay. That's, you know, when I walk through a forest, there's only one thing I want to do, and that's think.
0: <laughs> well, when I look up at the sky, I'll see space wars or space space aliens coming or whatever. Or when I look at... Look at water. I'll see the lady of the lake coming out of the water. These my, these are thoughts. These are imagination, and I'll think of a story I want to write, and then I'll go write it.
1: Do you um, keep a notebook with you at all times?
0: Yeah, I do.
1: Right. Well, okay.
0: dictation. I dictate.
1: Oh, you dictate. Yeah. Well, you know what? I you look. You have many many gifts, Richard. Uh, like you, I'm I'm just very um, committed to um, to. Um, to uh, I don't. To, to learning to manage my thoughts as best as possible. Of
0: course, of course.
1: That's my commitment.
0: Of course, and that's important uh, to manage your thoughts because, I mean, I have a good imagination, but I know the difference between reality and illusion. It's when when that, that barrier fades and people don't understand that's an illusion is when they start becoming a little less sane, perhaps.
1: A little, a little, excuse me. Well, I'm being nice.
0: <laughs> There has there you have to understand reality. Yeah, you can you can dream all you want, but what is the reality? You know, um, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. When people tell me, oh, when some somebody comes and says, oh my, the world's so hard. There's this pandemic, and there's no jobs to be found. I point to this guy on YouTube who has no legs and no arms, and who's still a millionaire, has a wife and kids. You know, short short guy, um, dances and stuff on stage with his little stumps and things. It's like if he can do that you can get off your butt and find something to do even when there's a pandemic on
1: you see you see i'm a i like to think of myself as a possiblenarian so um so as soon as you tell me there's no way i know there's a way
0: yeah, yeah I mean, and then we landed on as, the we landed on the moon in a tin can I mean, if you look at the Apollo project, oh my God, they went to space in that thing. <laughs> we can do anything.
1: Well, well, you see, doing anything requires a couple of things. One, it it, you, like, it it requires that um you decide that you're not stuck, that there is a way, out, that there's another fork in the road. Of course. Two, you have to sit down and put on paper a plan for what that other fork looks like, step by step. Uh-huh. You don't know the outcome, but you need to know the first step. Three, you can't be lazy. If you're lazy, nothing's going to happen. And what I find about folks um, in general is that um, that it's, you know, work is work. And a lot of people don't want to do the work.
0: Yeah. Well, that's one reason why I chose ghostwriting as my career. Because, I mean, I was in the computer field for 33 years. I managed wow. a managed Trader Joe's um, department computer department for 20 years I was making a lot of money but it was just a job it was a good job paid paid the bills and I was making tons of money but I decided it wasn't my passion so I went and became a ghostwriter this is my passion
1: I think Uh, that I think that being a ghostwriter is really interesting I mean it's I think that's a very interesting thing I mean I I personally me personally uh I have to do the work. I'm just that kind of person, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, my my clients have to do some of the work too. Oh,
1: okay. They have
0: to give me the ideas, because ghostwriter doesn't doesn't come up with the ideas. A ghostwriter writes, so I'm basically
2: it's
0: like you hiring a contractor to build a building. You're it. I mean, you might, well, you might hire an architect too, but-
1: Right, I would um, hire an architect first, right.
0: Right, but it's still your idea that there's a building that you want there with three bedrooms right. and, and a, you know, a loft and this kind of thing. Well, yeah. when, I, when I write a book for somebody, um, I'm getting, I'm taking their ideas and I'm translating into into painting it into words.
1: Fascinating, fascinating. It's really, I'm delighted to um, chat with you in this venue because you never know, you know? Yeah. You yep. never know. Um you just never know, especially um, when the day comes, whenever that is that I want to do a, ch- uh, a children's book. I already have, I've been on a lot of calls on, on what makes a children's book. Because what I am is I'm a student. You know what I mean? I need to study the process because I'm process driven. Right. So um, I need to study the process. So once I learned what the process was, uh, I love Storyteller Academy. It just offers so much free information, and it's just really put so many ideas in my head. And then I, I mean, I have great ideas. I have a great idea for a kids' book on how people living in the house can lose weight in the in the most fun way.
0: Sounds exciting.
1: And I, oh, and I and how do they do? it? Well, I don't. I can't go into it. But of course, uh, right. But it's a great, great, great. Listen, I taught for thirty years, so. I really know kids. I know what they can handle. Um, and I, I'm a visual storyteller. So I came up with a really good one on keeping folks, uh, keeping weight off. The, you know, the it's just so cute. I can just, so cute. <laughs> so um, I'm looking forward to that. Then I thought of another idea based on the next book I'm writing already of a kid's book. So, you know, but I've learned to just take one day at a time. That's the greatest thing. Just one you know, I have a saying, um, just, you, you don't see the harvest on the day you plant the seeds, you know, and that's kind of how I live my life.
0: I think the best way to live life is to live in the now.
1: Oh, and somebody,
0: people have written books on that, live in the now. And there's, there's several of them. And right. And if you live in the past, well, you can't change it. There's not a lot you can do about it. If you live in the, if you live in the future, well, what about now? You know, you need to eat now and stuff. If you live in the now, that's that's pretty much the best way, I think. Um,
1: oh, is it, but but it's the only way because the, mm-hmm. you, we have no control over the future. You don't know what's going to happen today, later in the day. Do you? I mean, we have no control.
2: Yeah, of course. course only, that, of course, that means the only don't...
1: control we have is right now. I'm talking to you. If if a bomb drops, and I had a conversation with you, I found out that you're a ghost writer. That you've written children's books. That you see scenes when you walk in, the, you know, in the forest. I mean, so I'm banking this information, but this is all there is for me right now. And when the phone call is over, I take the next step. Right, but course. if I think, but if I think about, oh, what's going to be in a year? I mean, who knows? With life the way it is, you know.
0: Yeah, of course. that doesn't mean you shouldn't plan and, and make sure you've got your contingencies covered and things like that. But totally. you live in the, live means you live in the now. A lot of people live in the past. They're, they're, they're so concerned about things that happened to them in their childhood. I had, I had a lot of sad things happen in my childhood, but it was my childhood. It was 50 years ago. What do I care? Um, there's not, I, I can't do anything about it.
1: Well, but I can, I, yes, but Richard, and I'm not, and I'm not taking, um, I'm not taking coach license here, but let me share with you that every time you, every time you eat too much ice cream, you are living in the past.
0: Yeah, well, most likely, yes, because, um, like right. I said, it, it definitely comes from a childhood habit. Right. And a reinforcement by parents who thought that giving their children sugar calmed them down, which obviously is counterintuitive because sugar doesn't do that. and, <laughs> <laughs> and But it, it shut me up. It got them, uh, got me out of their hair for a little while. So Well,
1: that was, you know what, I hate to say it, but every parent uses different bribes and they knew that you like uh, sugar, and when they wanted to deal with you, it was easier for them to give you sugar. You know, I, I'm i so principled on this that when I used to teach, most teachers give out candy. Okay?
2: Yep.
1: Most teachers to shut kids up, oh, I don't like to say that. Well, you know, to get their class quiet, let's be politically correct. <laughs> um, they give them candy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I gave, I went. I found the most exciting stickers you can imagine on this earth. I went to Greenwich Village and found moving stickers, jumping stickers, you know, it's like I would only give them a sticker because I didn't want to reinforce the mouth business, you know?
0: Yeah, when I was in school, the things I remember from childhood, good memories are going to the library and getting a little stamp every time I read a book. See. I still have that page. I don't remember the, these librarians who gave me candy. I remember the ones who gave me the stamp. Exactly. Um, I still have the stamp, actually.
1: Oh wow!
0: You know what? Fifty years later. Um, yeah,
1: you know but, what? Everybody has to um. The way to the way to shine you now. I like that. The way to shine you. I mean, I really don't want to get deep into this subject. But the no,
0: we're, we're sh- we need to wrap it up anyway. Yeah, there.
1: yeah. Because there's so much that can be said, and it's really an endless subject. And um, I'm um. All I can say is. I have a sign in my apartment that says each day is its own unique adventure. And me personally, I just like to do the best I can with each day.
0: Of course. That's the best way to live. Do the best you can for you today.
1: Oh, I love that. That's great. I want to write that down. Do the best I can for me today. Do the best I can for me today. That's really lovely.
0: Yep. Yep. So anyway, uh, any closing thoughts?
1: Well my closing thought is that to all you guys listening out there that might be struggling with food, you can do it. You can do it. You can find my book on Amazon. You can find my book at Barnes and Nobles. You can go to my website, no If you really want to make peace with food, if you want to find your best self without using food to support that best self in, in a way that you find unhappy after you do it. I mean, you're not unhappy when you're doing it, and you're unhappy after you do doing it, then buy my book, step out in faith, and let dieting
0: go. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. It's it's a method that um has obviously helped many people and go out and buy your book. Do it uh, now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. What, what what was his name? He uh, what was his name? Do it now?
0: Uh don't know. Don't know. About... Oh,
1: a famous guy. He just passed, I think.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right, Richie. Well, thank you so much. And I really enjoyed this. And I hope that everyone listening out there feels hopeful about their relationship with food now.
0: Okay. Thank you. And thank You're you welcome. for appearing
2: on the show.
1: Ah, thank you.